If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to the Explorative Podcast. Welcome to the Explorer Podcast. I am your host, Rob. I'm back. And I'm joined today by Ben. Welcome, Ben. I'm back too. <laughs> you never left. I appreciate you taking over hosting duties while I was gone, sir. Hey, I never realized how difficult it was, you know, until you actually left. <laughs> it's really, really hard. I know, really. I just, I feel like I'm always going to screw up and I'm always like on the verge of saying something I don't want to say. <laughs> oh, it's always fun. Anyways, Drexy. Hi, Drexy. I'm back too. He's back. Welcome back. Hey, how's it going? Welcome back, Rob. Thank you. Missed I'm... you the last podcast. I was stuck with these two idiots. Jesus I Christ. Know, right. And you guys did an interview without me, which I just feel like you guys had taken over the podcast there for a minute. Yeah, you know, got to be done. Got to step in when the when the governor's not around. <laughs> the governor. All right. Well, we got Sean too, Governor Sean. Hello, Sean. Hi, Rob. It's good to have you back, man. It's good to be back. You guys are making me all teary-eyed. Well, you know, it's been a while. I think it's been over a month since I've been on a podcast, which is pretty wild. I don't think I've ever gone that long since I've returned. So uh, we have a lot to talk about. And plus, we're going to dive in deep into combat mechanics today. So we're going to do a little bit of news. Then we're going to talk about some of the games in 4X that we really think represent combat well. Maybe maybe our personal favorite type of combat. And we'll talk a little bit about it. But that's, that's the back half. Before we move on, though, I do I need to do a shout out. Uh, this is my my friends over at the Firehouse 208 have actually found my podcast and are now like I wouldn't say like loyal listeners, but I know that they're they're waiting for their shout out. So hello, Firehouse 208. I love you guys. All right. With that said, let's move on to the news. So first up, we have the Stellaris Dev Diary number 226, and it is talking about the custodial staff, which is like the custodians who are going to continue working on some of the like, basically like the base game and already established mechanics and already established expansions. As you already probably know that the Lem patch came out and they went through and actually fixed some of the things that were going on with the previous expansions and added content to those expansions, which... I think it's pretty darn cool. I don't think they've ever done that with any of their other games. And they're talking about this custodian initiative and what it's going to do from here on out. And one of the things that's really kind of standing out in the what in the what they're talking about is basically a rework of the admin capacity of the sprawl and unity stuff. And we were talking about that a minute 
before we started this podcast, and I told Benny I had to stop talking because it was good stuff. But basically, the idea is that they're going to take away all these these malices that occur when you got you, you start to sprawl, and instead make it more tied to unity, which I think is actually a much better plan, in my opinion. I mean, if you think about it, the the, the greater, the bigger the empire, maybe less the less unified they become, right? You, even even in, in we talked about this before, like in movies and TV shows like The Expanse, where they start to like once they start to spread out, there's like societies that build in within your own empires, and you know the, the unity is not there. I mean, if you were you know if you were to take the Expanse universe and say like and 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 even consider the fact that they were you know facing an external threat, they weren't really able to unify, even though they're all human. So I think that's a way better plan. And I know, Ben, you had some things to say about that. Well, I guess part of the reason why I think as a mechanic, 4X games have something like this is often to sort of penalize you for expanding rapidly, too rapidly, and having an empire that can't really sustain sustain its own size. So I think that, like to be honest, I haven't really played Solaris enough recently to be able to know why it is that they've made this change. Um, I think that it's reasonable to have some kind of industrial penalty, um, you know, that that is supposedly modeling corruption or bureaucratic issues, you know, bureaucratic, you know, being crushed under the weight of your own bureaucracy, so to speak, when it comes to when it comes to kind of tying your industry together. But um, I do. I also think that if this is purely a flavor thing, uh, then unity makes a lot of sense. Right. We all know that the bigger the bigger a place gets, the more people start complaining. It's just it's just what happens in real life. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I I, I need I need a little bit of context with regards to why it is I've made this change, because no doubt they've done it because people are complaining about it in some way. Yeah, I've been complaining about it. <laughs> it's it's just so annoying because you have to a because you only got limited uh, building slots on your planets now. You've got to use an administration building to do it. Then you have to also use pops to man that administration building, and uh, it's it just it's so easy to go over it. And it's it's again it's something else you've got to struggle with while she's still trying to play the game, and it just uh, it's horrible. It's just, it just needs to be replaced. Yeah, and while I agree that with Ben, you know, that, that there's, you know, if you consider a, an empire large enough like this, that there would be crime, there'd be underground crime, and, you know, there would be pirating and all that sort of stuff that would maybe, you know, take away from your ability, product, you know, take away your production capabilities and stuff like that. You know, I, I just, for me, it doesn't feel right too, because it mostly because, you know, I, I genuinely think that, like, if, if a large empire becomes large enough, like it, it, penal, it penalizes you for for being large with regards to your research as well, and I just don't think that you know. I mean, I'm not saying that we need to start thinking about like how realistic a gameplay mechanic is, but it doesn't feel particularly realistic or particularly fair that the larger your empire gets, the more of a hit you take to your research as well. So I've been playing a lot since the limb update. I think the game really has finally taken its its true form, and it's it's kind of won me over a bit, which is insane to say, but. You know, I know that's because I haven't spent the three, four, five hundred hours that some people have spent, and maybe by the time I do, I won't like it as much. But right now, it feels new and fresh, and with all the mods that they're they're out there with the events, and you know, the way you can change the map look and all that stuff, it just it feels like a really fresh game right now. So I'm glad that they're reworking some of these things that aren't really working. But I don't have many complaints right now, which is crazy. Yeah, it just seems strange to me to to in a game like Solaris at least to penalize having a large empire because. Surely that's part of the game, right? You want it's not just a map painting game necessarily, 
but empire spread is going to happen and you know i don't think they, they should be heavily penalizing you for basically playing the game so unless they've got some other kind of mechanic in there that enables you to play tall and i don't think that they can't they've, they've nerfed tall so that's one of the other problems is tall doesn't really work currently which i guess they're trying to fix but yeah that's one of the problems. You can't really play tall anymore. I mean, the, the whole wide versus tall thing. I don't know if I, I just don't. I don't think that that particular thing needs to be shoehorned into every four x. I I think that playing tall works. You know, it works in some games that have got the mechanics to be able to to be able to sustain it. So you can kind of play tall in Distant Worlds universe um, because it's got a resource based economy. So if you've got a decent amount of resources that you need, then you can kind of trade those around, and then you know you can actually you can actually do well because of that. But it doesn't work in other in other four X games that don't have the mechanics to sustain it. So I just think that I don't know. I I don't remember for, uh, Stellaris being that kind of game where you could just sit and have a few systems and somehow you know somehow you could you could be competitive with the rest of the world the universe around you that's just not that's kind of not realistic anyway i just don't think that i don't think even historically that's a particularly realistic thing people might say oh yeah you know think about the the you know the city states in the italian peninsula during the medieval times yeah i guess but they that that was all based around trade and you know the influence of culture and most of the forex games that we play don't have those mechanics to kind of simulate things like that so well, you could actually, when they bought in the uh, mega structures, you could actually play tall. I quite actually enjoyed that play style. But uh, over time, because all these other mechanics like the sprawl and stuff they've added, it's just it's just not optimal. You're, you're better off playing wide. But I'm still not 100% convinced that Stellaris is a good game yet. I need to play a bit more. I, I am happy they've got this custodian guys now because that was one of the biggest problems with Stellaris is you'd have a expansion and then you'd have like just little fixes along the way there wasn't really much changes between so hopefully with this new team that it's going to improve that yeah i mean i'll just wrap this up by saying that i think it's great the custodian staff is there because like you said there's been a few times where you know they've moved on from an expansion and it didn't feel quite right or even just some of the like the species packs like as the species packs continue to, to be released some of the newer ones were much more unique and asymmetric and they kind of left out some of the older ones and now they've gone back and added more features and even gameplay mechanics to some of the the earliest race packs so i'm excited by this i've just noticed in this uh in this custodian initiative update thing they're they're talking about how they're trialing some public facing bug tracking where you can potentially vote for issues like i don't know what's that about man like, i, I I imagine if you're doing software development, the last thing you want is any kind of audience feedback. <laughs> like, seriously, that just sounds like such a terrible idea. Yeah, I mean, what I'll say, too, is that with their fan base being as fervent as they are, I mean, I just, a lot of them have thousands of hours, right? And they're going to be nitpicking stuff that I just don't care as someone who's only played a couple hundred hours of it. So I, I don't know. I, I, I'm with you. I don't really like them listening to their fan base about things that need to be fixed. I'd rather them have a, a direction and, and overall idea of what they want to fix and then maybe solicit some more particular feedback from there well there was a there was some problems with lem some stupid builds you could do like um one of the robot builds you could because they convert food to alloys you could actually just remove all your food sectors and it would still give you a crazy amount of alloys from food that you don't have somehow so little things like that that you know when the public get hold of the game obviously they can't test as much as like thousands and thousands of people can test so i can see the point of that 
I kind of feel like Stella- uh, Paradox are kind of between a rock and a hard place now with Stellaris because the the sheer lack of direction in the game is really what is killing it. And at least for me, right? I think it's quite clear that they've been trying to take the game in ten different directions, and they've, they've you know they've been they've sacked their main lead guy or whatever, and you know there's it just. It's just going in too many different places. And I think it seems like they're trying to kind of, they're trying to pull it together and bring this kind of, this, you know, try to reattach the, the speeding wagon back to the horses. And I don't, you know, I just don't know how successful they're going to be with that because there is so many problems with Stellaris now with regards to how unwieldy it is as a game that I think that they're going to be, I don't know, I think I think that they've got a lot of work to do. And like, this is why when people start talking about Solaris 2, I'm like, no, 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 they need to f- finish this one first because this game's got a long way to go because it's it's got the roots of being an excellent game. It's just... It's just kind of all over the place, and you know, like you say, Rob, the the the, f- uh, the fan base is so f- fervent and fanatic that ev- like every time they make a change in one direction, the other half complains. And I think it's time to stop listening to the the fans now. I think they need to get they need a strong leader who's going to go right. I know how to make this a good game, and then just do that. I disagree. I think they should make a Stellaris too, because the biggest problem with Stellaris is they've been trying to do this forex but grand strategy but forex but grand strategy and this is where all these issues with like the sprawl and stuff like that. you have all these mechanics they have from their other game their other grand strategy games and they try to shoehorn it into a forex game and it just ends up being a mess like you say i think it'd be really cool if they considered making a space strategy game that was akin to europe universalis with like random maps where you basically start on like you just you can create your own empire you can make it as big or as small as you want it to be you know to to kind of challenge yourself in whatever way you want to and you know the map's already settled for the most part i think that would be cool because i think you know it would definitely be unique and it would take away what i think is the four x elements from stellaris are probably it's weak the weakest part of the game i think and so if you just really leaned heavily into their grand strategy strengths and made a, a space grand strategy game i'd actually be really excited about that so i don't know we'll see i'm still i'm sure stellaris 2 will eventually happen but i don't think it's gonna happen anytime soon before we move on to the next game this is breaking news i just want you to know that we have just found out that old world the historical forex by soren johnson will be released to steam and gog in spring of 2022 which is great news everybody that who's been waiting for the steam update the steam release i should say and for those of you who haven't checked in on it, well, we're going to check in on it before it comes out then. I, there's been so many updates, and it sounds like there's also going to be a free campaign expansion that comes alongside the Steam release, so hopefully there'll be some other great stuff to announce later. But it has been announced that Hooded Horse, who has picked up quite a few of the strategy games now, especially the indie strategy games, is now going to be publishing Old World for Steam and GOG. So great stuff. I'm sure we'll have more to speak on it at a later date. Anyway, let's move on to the next game, which is Zephon, and it's a game that we actually interviewed the, the developers with Proxy Studios, and they are hard at work on Zephon, and they've actually revealed some of their their paths, right? So when we did the interview, they talked about the three different paths that you could take, one of them being the human path, the next being the voice path, and the last being the cyber path. And they've revealed each of these and kind of shown off some of the units that you could expect to see if you you go down these these different paths. And I remember, I, I think I remember that you can sort of kind of weasel your way in between paths as well. I don't remember if that was something that they said was either, like I think they said that you could you know, kind of mix and match 
but you you were going to be stronger by taking you know like by going down one path in particular but we'll have you know the links to some of these really cool dev diaries in the description below but it's really cool to see that they're actually they seem to be working very hard on this game and I'm, I'm really excited to see how this game progresses because it seems like it could be something along the lines of a of beyond earth that actually works and is actually fun with a post-apocalyptic setting instead of a you know like a, a new settled newly settled planet setting yeah going off the description of what's happening with this game it does give like a beyond earth vibe i don't know if i was one of the only ones that actually enjoyed that i was actually kind of into it even the base version so this is sort of feels like that but then like mashed up with is it kind of like gladius as well but then also with a post-apocalyptic setting so that sounds really cool yes ben is back we can hear Ben. give a shout out to ben yep i love that crow god bless him how did he become ben again because you weren't here, so he took over your name. Oh, I see. That's how it works, is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So good. I'm glad he's here. I can go shoot it. All right. What's next is Galactic Civilizations 4. You guys didn't give it a good enough spiel last time, so I'm going to go back over it because I've been watching Galactic Civilizations 4's development like a hawk, and so I want to talk about its 0.55 changelog, which is actually rather extensive. You know what? It also incorporated a piece of feedback that I had been talking about, and I'm really excited about this because. As I was playing it, I realized I mean, a, a, a large portion of this game is sending out colony ships and colonizing these like feeder planets, right? And for the most part, you know, like at the beginning of the game, it's it's pretty easy. It feels like it doesn't feel like too much micromanagement, but it does feel a bit tedious towards the middle part of the game. And I suggested that you allow or that they allow the player to auto colonize. So like to set a colony ship to auto colonize and they actually implemented that. So I'm really excited about that because they didn't need to. And I think there was a little bit of pushback, but I think the, the just having the option of setting ships to auto-colonize is a good thing because eventually towards the end of the game, end of the game, you just want to get those planets and you don't have, you know, you're not super worried about like, you know, like I said, micromanaging every colony ship. So with that, there's also more. You can now play as the Yor, which is the first non-organic species so they build their population just like they did in Galactic Civilizations 3. Then we had the Mimot or Mimo, I don't know how you pronounce that, Brotherhood. Those are like the little Furbies that are out there and they, you know, reproduce like rabbits and they say that they're deceptively powerful. They've also added Galactic Achievements, which is a thing that they're testing now. But basically you can you can set out on your own story. I don't know how that's going to work. Like, I don't know if they're going to end up making it so it's a little bit more organic. But right now you can choose the story that you want to go down and like, you know, set a set a quest basically and play it from there. And there's three already that are implemented now, but I imagine there's gonna be more and I imagine that they might try to make it more organic. I don't know. It's it's a strange system, but I like it. I'm kind of interested to know what the pushback was against the automated colonization. Just that everybody wanted to have, you know, I think it's more that people thought that that might I, you know, I don't know what it was. It really was. Just, oh, I want, I want to be able to, I want to be able to do that. I want to micromanage that. And the idea, like the the pushback from me and other people like me, was the way you can still do that, but you can also just auto colonize too, which just takes away some of that micromanagement. Like I said, is you know, Galactic Civilizations Four is a very macro heavy game. I love macro. I love you know only having a few. Like there's only a few planets you have to really worry about because there's only a few planets that you'll make your core worlds, and then. You kind of have to macro, micro the ship development and stuff like that and placement of star bases. But other than that, 
the rest of it is pretty much on the rails. And I like that a lot because for me, you know, I've just always been a macro heavy person. I really enjoy that. I like that about distant worlds. And, you know, I'm not someone who likes to figure out like the ultimate combinations of things. So yeah, I'm really digging Galactic Civilizations 4, but there's more. Hold on a second. We also have now Prestige Victories, which is basically a score victory. And that, from what I understand, is very poorly balanced right now because you can make a you can win a prestige victory really quickly. There's now new minor civilizations, which are amazing looking. I've only seen a couple of them, but they have the same graphic fidelity as their major factions, so they look fantastic. And now we have battle actions as well. We had some were there were some that were added with 0.50, but now you can use these battle actions, which are basically things you can do on the strategic map that. Like maybe you can fire from afar, like missiles, you can fire like or space tor- torpedoes or whatever you want to do. You can actually fire them on the main map and they will, you know, they can travel across hexes to attack your enemy. And then, of course, you can still send in your ship afterwards after your, your missiles and torpedoes have hit, which I think is really cool. So there's like these active abilities that you can use with your ships to attack other fleets before you get to them. And then, yeah, like I said, there's there's the colony ships that now can auto colonize. There's a bunch of new civilization-specific events as well. So they've added events that are just really kind of... It's really adding a lot of flavor to the game. So really, it just feels... I mean, I think that anyone who would look at Galactic Civilizations 4 and say it's just like the third iteration, I feel like would be really just not seeing how many changes are going on here. And I've seen that. I mean, I've seen a few of the comments that have appeared on the YouTube videos I've done, and you know, they're all like, oh... Looks just like Civilization th- Galactic Civilization Three, but I mean, it looks kind of like it for sure. It has a, a you know a general appearance of being a similar game, but there are so many gameplay changes that it's. I mean, it feels like an almost an entirely different series, which I'm really excited about because a lot of the changes are fantastic. Can I just ask, as someone who doesn't own the game yet, um, why do you need to take these planets? Obviously, you don't care about them that much. Is it just to paint the map? Why, why, why are these planets need to be your taken? Because they all feed into your four worlds. So imagine that you have Earth, right? And then you would colonize Mars. Well, Mars would simply just take all of its like capability, like production capabilities, and send it back to Earth. Like it, it is it exists solely for the purpose of sending all the raw materials and stuff back to Earth so that you can build stuff on Earth. So kind of like uh, Star Ruler 2 worked. Yeah, exactly. It's almost exactly like that. In fact, it feels a lot like that. Without all the faffing. Yeah, I mean, there's not much in the way of like supply chains like there are in Star Ruler 2. But yeah, just like Star Ruler 2 where you had a couple main worlds and you fed all those resources back into other worlds so that they could feed them back into your core worlds. That's pretty much exactly what it's like. I mean, in Galsiv 2 and 3, you had the asteroid bases and, you know, you could build space stations around certain resources. It kind of sounds like the same thing, really. Very similar, at least. It's like the concepts existed for, you know, right through Galsiv, really. Yeah, I mean, you still have star bases because they need to collect the strategic resources and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's basically the same stuff. It's, and it works really well. And I'm really excited. Brad announced today that they're going to be moving towards beta this month. So I guess the 0.60 update will be quite a big one because there's still a few things that aren't implemented yet. So I'm, I'm, I imagine combat's probably one of them and I'm excited about that. So let's wrap this up. There's a few more things we'll get out over real quick. First of all, the Alexander expansion for Imperiums is going to be coming out by the time you hear this. 
think it's like October 6th or 7th. And we got a key, so we'll try to pawn that off on somebody and see if they can review it. And then we also have a Dork Acres 2 update. You want to tell us about that real quick, Sean? Yep. So real quick, there's a whole bunch of bug fixes, feature changes. They've done a reset of progression because they made so many changes that they needed to reset it, apparently. The biggest change is that they've introduced a completely new faction, the CIA Special Activities Division, which means they've introduced a stealth mechanic around them and a concealment mechanic. So however much gear or what kind of weapons that you're carrying affect your concealment stat and how effectively you can sneak around in areas with enemies in them. And when you get to a certain point, when when you start shooting people, obviously you're revealed. And yeah, it, basically they've, it all revolves around the stealth mechanic. You're concealed, you yeah can sneak into areas undetected, most of them, and there'll be restricted areas you can't sneak into. So that, that's the biggest part of that update. Awesome. Great game too. I really enjoyed that one. I look forward to getting back into it. And then we also have the Steam Fest, Steam Next Fest, whatever it's called, going on right now. So there's a bunch of demos I'm sure we'll probably do. Like maybe we'll come back and talk about those in the next podcast, or we'll do one of our little articles where we've picked some of the ones we enjoyed and and talk about them and then last but not least humankind was the best-selling game in august which wasn't you know of course this is now october but it does bear mentioning because of course humankind being a 4x game and probably the biggest 4x release in some time and it was also amplitude studio's biggest game ever so that it sold as well as it did is a big thing it's a huge thing really and yeah i think that the last call it was just shy of a million copies which for a like double A studio, like Amplitude Studios. I think that's a big deal. They're moving in their way into triple A, but they are definitely, you know, really happy with that. Although the last time I saw it, the rating, Steam rating was like sitting at like 71%. So it's mostly positive And a lot of people are still complaining about the things we talked about in previous episodes. So hopefully they can get some of that stuff kind of knocked out, especially the balance stuff. And I know that they've got more content and more stuff coming. So exciting exciting stuff. All right, so let's move on to our topic. topic for this week is combat and we wanted to kind of talk about the combat we see in a variety of different games what we like what we don't like and maybe the style of things that we could we we could dream of and maybe you know because there, there's basically a few different types of combat right we have like the abstracted combat and a game like hey galactic civilizations 3 where you're just watching it and it comes up and then it shows you what happened, right? Or even Civilization, where you're just bumping two units together. But then you also have combat like Endless Legend or Humankind or even Planetfall, where it's like various degrees of how tactical things can get, right? So I think there's a wide gamut, really, of how different combat can be in a 4X. And I'll start with you, Ben. I'm just curious to know, what is your favorite type of combat? And what maybe what game, you know, comes to mind when you think of combat in a 4X? I don't know. I think it's important to, to I think it's important to recognize that there are those different types of combat because I like all of them, but they have to be done well. So for example, that civilization style combat where you know you are just bumping units against one another and then it does it does a few mathematical equations, it runs an algorithm and then decides who's won. That can like that works, that's how roguelikes work, right? And you know, that can be good providing that it gives plenty of feedback so that you know what's going on. So I guess a game like Old World is really good in that respect because that's kind of how that one works. But the game provides you enough mechanics to play around with. And I'd also lump in, say, Gladius into that 
you know, into that uh, sort of category. Gladius is a little bit more fleshed out in that respect, though, because, you know, civilization, generally speaking, it's your unit composition and unit choices. That's what you've got to work with. And then you get, get, you get games like Gladius where the units themselves have a bunch of abilities, which really open up you know, the, the tactical smorgasbord, <laughs> so to speak, that you have to work with, right? So I I think that that kind, of, that kind of game can be really, really good. It just depends on... I think it's important to put uh, the whole combat thing into context with the rest of the game because, you know, as, as always, you can't just transplant one kind of combat system into, into every 4X game and expect that to work because it's not going to. So uh, to answer your question, my favourite combat in any 4X game or 4X light game is Dominions, and that is very much... It, you set it up at the start, so during your turn, because it's like a, a Wego system. Uh, yeah, because it's like a Wego system game. You, you know, you set it all up, and then you once the uh, turn resolves, the next turn you get to see the results of what you've done, and that's my favourite. I'd say at least at the moment because I just think it's so exciting. It, it takes a lot of practice to learn how to do it, but there's you know, um, I think that kind of combat system when it's done well, it it's really really nail biting because you don't know whether you've won, right? Uh, so you don't know whether you've won the battle. You don't even know how you've performed until the next turn rolls. So I think that I think that could be a really exciting way of approaching combat, but it it wouldn't work in every game. I think the, um, if you're talking about tactical combat games, I really like the combat in Planetfall. I think Age of, the Age of Wonders games have got excellent tactical combat, really really good. In fact, I think the the tactical combat games far better than the four X side of it. And I also like Fallen Enchantress because we've spoken about this before because Fallen Enchantress has really quite tight, fast-paced tactical combat for a fantasy 4X, but it's just really good fun. So yeah, that's that's my choices, I guess. <laughs> what about you, Jackson? Uh, see, it it all depends. Like Ben was saying, you can't transplant one from one game to another because it's all based around the pace of the actual game itself and whether having a tactical combat or just a bump system or whatever fits that game. So it's really hard to say, but I would say, yeah, Gladius works really well. Maybe wouldn't work for something like a civilization game though. I really like Sword of Stars 1 combat, which is uh, tactical real time, but there's a time limit to it. I really like the Age of Wonders games, but sometimes it can drag on a little bit for me. But then again, it's done, especially in Planetfall. I've, I've really enjoyed, I don't know why I enjoyed it more than I did in Age of Wonders 3. Maybe because it's just lasers and you've got faster moving units and stuff. I don't know. But yeah, it all depends on the game. But like a game like Moo, you know, where you're just moving on a 2D plane, which is quite, quite funny as well. So I don't know. It depends on the game and the speed of the game and whether that combat suits it. There are some games I've really just did not like like endless space 2 i've i hated that i i thought even endless space 1 was better because at least you had some sort of uh input into that yeah to your point about endless space 2 it's it's one of my least favorite as well i feel like it's a, a really a swing and a miss with the endless games I and mean, for me it was always something that i would watch like a couple times right i'd like if i got a new ship or a new new weapon i'd want to see how it looked on this like the cinematic view and then I'd move on. I'd always skip it after that. So, you know, if it were faster, if I think that I think the actual like cinematic portion or the viewing portion of combat for Endless Space 2 was a little bit faster, I would probably enjoy it a little bit more. But I still even then think I would skip it most of the time. So I'm with you. I think Endless Space 1 had a better setup and a better it, had, it felt like I had more input. And even then it wasn't very much. So I, I really think Endless Space 2's combat's one of my probably my most disappointing. We can go into that a little bit more, but I want to hear about Sean. What about you, Sean? So I don't 
really have the depth of experience with forex that you guys do but i think i'm gonna go more or less the same way i think age of wonders is probably my favorite planet four i think are the most and again i think i'm with drexy on the sci-fi aspect like i did enjoy it in three was the other one that i played i enjoyed it in three but i feel like they've iterated on it with planet four and then also the sci-fi aspect like sci-fi would be my favorite forex type so that it is sci-fi as well i think makes it another level above i really really enjoyed that yeah, and to go back to things, so a, a few things, I'll, I'll start off with a few games that I don't like combat with, and I think feel like detract from the combat. I think that, I mean, I'm going to kind of go away from what you guys are saying. I like Planetfall as a game, and I think Planetfall's tactical combat is fun. I do think that it takes too long, and we've talked about this ad nauseum. I know that we've discussed the the whole balance between the strategic portion and the tactical portion many times, and I feel like Planetfall gets it wrong. I feel like it feels like a tactics game with the Forex Slayer less than a 4x game with a tactics layer. And that's because some of those combat scenarios can take forever. And I think the actual combat itself and the actual scenarios themselves are fantastic. Like, it's a lot of fun. It feels very much like an XCOM light. I mean, and there's a lot of tactical thought that's required, especially when you're, you know, maybe, you know, well-equipped, but, you know, have fewer numbers and stuff like that. You you have to really consider the terrain you're on and the things that you can use to your advantage to, to, you know, to take cover and stuff like that, but it just feels like it goes on too long most of the time. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. And this is something that we talked about, didn't we, Rob, when we were discussing this with Daz, but I, I think you've got to have inhuman stamina to be able to play a game like Age of Wonders Planetfall and finish a game because if you're anything like me, you want to play most of the tactical combats. It's, it's quite rare that I auto-resolve it, although I've started doing it much more so now when I do play Planetfall because the, the, the sheer amount of combat that you have to fight and just how long it takes. Like, even a small battle between just like, I don't know, let's say you've got, I forget what the, the uh, maximum sort of army size is, but let's just say you've just got two armies fighting one another. Even that is going to take like 20 minutes. So when you've got like the large battles where you've got, you might have, you know, three armies on each side facing off against one another or maybe even more. So, you know, the, the combat times are going up to sort of an hour plus. It's quicker than Age of Wonders 3 without a doubt, but I still think that they haven't got that balance right between between playing you know the forex side of it and the and the and the tactical side and that's that's the one thing that stops the age of wonders games being you know ranked higher in benjamin's tier list i think that i think if they if they some i don't know how you could do it to be honest because it's a really really awkward dilemma because they they're onto something with that tactical combat i think the tactical combat in age of wonders planetfall is probably better than the x than the foraxis xcom games i enjoy it more anyway i just think it's there's so much tactical variety there's such a range of things that you can do that it's you know it's actually a really good game the problem is it's just fatiguing and it's the same i've, I've said this loads of times but it's the same issue that i have with total war the the the, the tactical combat is so engaging and ex- exhilarating that when you come out of it oh i've got to do some strategic stuff now and it kind of it takes you out of it you know and i think you really have to be a you really have to acclimatize yourself to those games in order to be able to get used to that there was a rpg game i can't remember the name but basically they released a new ver- a different version of it where it was just more based on the the battle system the fighting and i would love to see them do like a i don't know some sort of story based rpg planet for using the same combat layer but sort of toning down the, the rest of it like the forex layer of it that would be really i think that'd be really good because i absolutely love the tactical battle but like you guys said it's it's it just slows the forex part so much it's it gets exhausting you took the words right out of my mouth actually i was thinking that planet would work better as like a grand strategy game where you were a bit more macro but 
the combat itself was was just how it is. It's, and and that would be a lot more fun because I feel like if you could take away a lot of the responsibilities you have at the strategic layer and make more general decisions instead of the way, you know, like in, in Planetfall, you make a lot of decisions. And that on top of the tactical combat starts to feel overwhelming. I actually deleted Planetfall recently because I haven't gone back to it in so long because I do feel like it's overwhelming. And I mean, it's a good game. It's just not, you know, I think that this balance that we talk about a lot just wasn't there for me and it feels like a lot of work when i play planetfall and i think you're talking about divinity original sin i think they were they were talking about like actually making like a standalone side version of that game where it was just tactical combat and i feel like they canceled that too no no it's the dungeon rats is the one they made just looking up what the original game was right okay so- age of decadence was the rpg and then they made uh dungeon rats which was based on age of decadence but it was purely like a uh, party base uh uh fighting and shit so tactical combat so this kind of reminds me i'm, I'm actually playing xcom again the original sorry ufo enemy unknown and i'm playing it on, with open and xcom and i've kind of gone back to that because people keep talking about the Firaxis xcom and it just reminds me how much i don't like it and um, i think that if you've got a game with a quite involving strategic layer like like Planetfall, then we, we will get this problem where, you know, any kind, any tactical, any energy that's expended into the tactical combat is going to kind of take from that. Now, the reason why the original UFO or XCOM gets it so right is because the strategic side is incredibly engaging, but it's not that micro heavy, right? It, the, you know, there are certain decisions that you make, you know, you're like, okay, you need to, you need to manage your troops. And depending on how you play, there can be a lot of micromanagement in that or not. Also, you know, you, you decide where you're going to put bases and it doesn't seem quite as overwhelming as, you know, a game like Planetfall where you are moving units one by one. And I think that's where if Planetfall was like a grand strategy game, like the original XCOM in that respect. I do think that it might actually be, at least for people who have this issue that we're talking about, I think it might be a better game because there's micro in the tactical, but there's also loads of micro as well. And I think that that's, a, that's kind of a bad combination, especially if you've got limited amounts of time. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a lot to think about. So let me talk about a few things too. There's, there was more stuff that I want to talk about as far as regards to games that I don't feel like represent combat very well. I know Endless Legend would be on that for a lot of people. I personally liked Endless Legend, but I do feel like they went in a better direction with Humankind. So I'll get into that in a second because Humankind is probably my favorite. But Endless Legend, I mean, I think it was just enough to make you feel like you had some say in it. It also took away enough a lot of people feel like they didn't have enough say in it. And so you didn't really please anyone, right? So I think that while there were a few people that actually genuinely liked Endless Legends combat, most people were like either ambivalent towards it or felt like it wasn't enough. Can I just say, I'm not a big fan of Endless Legend, but the combat is something I do like in it. I think that was a really, it was a really brave effort that Amplitude came with that, with, you know, sort of, having this sort of automated system that the player has some some agency over, I just think that it's really interesting. And it's like halfway between those two types of combat where one is sort of the abstracted automated side and the other is, you know, tactical combat fully hands-on. Um, I don't think the, the combat in Endless Legend is bad at all. And the only issue that I've got with it is it just plays out so slowly, like everything else in that game. It's just everything is at such a snail's pace that it just, I get bored before it's over. But other than that, yeah, I think mechanically the, the tactical combat in Endless Legend is not bad at all. Yeah, again, I I would agree with you on that. And I, I actually enjoyed it. I mean, there was there was a setting within the game settings that you could change it to make it so that you could ch- take a turn every turn. Like you could change the direction of each of your 
your troops every turn, which made it feel more tactical. And of course, there was still there were still things that would happen as a result of that because you know you'd set them to say you know attack something, and then the person that you set them to attack would die, and then the unit would kind of either stay there or defend and. You know, those are the kind of scenarios where people were like, man, I really wish I had more connection, more control over these these troops. And so that, that's one thing I know that's probably polarizing enough that I should mention it. I personally liked it. You know, and I know that a lot of people didn't. So there it is. But the other one that really stands out to me, and especially because I've been playing it more now, is Stellaris. I still feel like it's just blobs, you know, like you're just throwing blobs at other blobs. And usually the one with more numbers wins. Although, you know, if you have a strong enough technological advantage, that's going to help you too. But it's again, it's not something that really feels fun to me. I generally will throw my blob at something and then watch the battle menu to see who's winning because I can't really tell who's winning on the actual map. So I have to see like the numbers dwindling and stuff like that to see who's winning these battles. And they're not fun to watch either. They're not particularly cinematic or explosive or anything like that. And I'm not saying that it's a real detriment to the game because, you know, I don't really play Stellaris for its combat, but it, it does feel like an opportunity missed. So I'm slightly different. I didn't actually mind the combat in that. Like, I agree about the whole blob smashing into blobs thing. That doesn't really do much for me, but I always thought it was kind of cool, like watching the ships swirling around each other and firing their lasers and missiles and all that until something dies. Like You can just sit there and sort of watch it, watch them keep firing as their numbers go down. I always found it kind of entertaining. Yeah, I mean... Like I said, it's not the worst thing ever. It's just not fun. And I feel like it could have been a little bit more, at least cinematic, right? I know that there's some mods that make it more cinematic and I've already installed them. And that definitely helps because it makes it feel more explosive and, you know, you know, movie-like and stuff like that. But if Stellaris was actually just built like that, right? If I didn't have to make a mod in order to make Stellaris combat look good, then I would be a little bit more happy about it. And there's no real tactical input you can make with Stellaris battles either, right? You can't like set stances or anything like that that really matter. So it's, it's a, like I said, it's an opportunity loss because, you know, combat could have been at least cool looking, but you have to find mods in order to do that with Stellaris. I'll tell you one game that a lot of people don't talk about, and I think the combat was awesome, and it was Amada 2526. Basically, it'd be... It's a real time it's real time battle system, but it was almost played out sort of like a tactical system because you could rotate the camera, but mostly you would play top down and you start you move your ships in to attack a planet, but then you'd also have troop carriers that you had to move sort of move in behind. Like you take down the planetary defenses with your well, the fleets and then the planetary defenses with your ships from orbit then you would move your troop carriers in and drop your troops onto the planet to fight their troops. And this all happened on the one map. And I've never seen that done in any other game. And uh, I, I thought it was, re- it was really fun. And I would love to see another game uh, iterate on that system. Yeah, speaking of which, I really like Star Drive's combat, actually. Star Drive 1 and maybe even Star Drive 2, because I really like the idea that there was like components that you could actually damage and that when you were making your ships, you had to consider where you were placing certain things because, you know, if you had fuel in the front of your ship, then it was more likely that your ship would explode. And, you know, for everything that Star Drive and Star Drive 2 did poorly, I'd say combat was one of the coolest things they did that, I guess, Dan DeChico did. And, ha- you know, the, the group behind the Black Box mod and Combined Arms have made that way better. But yeah, I mean, it's for for real time combat, it's a lot of fun to watch. And there's actually some strategy involved in the placement of modules within the ships and stuff like that. And I think that, you know, there's there's a lot to be said about that, because 
you know any any game that forces you to think strategically when it comes to creating something you know that's a fun combat system and i think star drive one and two did that pretty well I feel like we should talk about Distant Worlds because we uh, we did vote that one our favorite 4X game. What do you guys think about the combat in that? Because I like it for the most part, but I feel that it can be occasionally a little unsatisfying. And I'm not quite sure why. I think it might be something to do with the fact that it's often over kind of quick and it's not always that easy to see what's going on in a, in a battle. So I really have to slow things down in order to kind of to kind of keep track of everything. What do you guys reckon? Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that if for me, Distant Worlds isn't about combat. Again, it's another game where I feel like the actual strategy of the game is way more important and way more fun. But, you know, the combat itself, it was, yeah, it always happened so fast. And, you know, you'd have to slow down to like the, the, the normal speed, which is just so unbearably slow. And even then, it was still kind of like just things going back at each other. It looks like Distant Worlds 2 is going to be improving on that with actual like combat rules and like jumps and stuff like that. And there was that really cool video that, Eric Rutten showed that had some like, you know, unique effects for the things that were happening with some of the ships that made it look at least more tactical. But it, it's just never been the focus for me with Distant Worlds. I've always enjoyed the strategic empire building portion of Distant Worlds than, than combat itself. Yeah, it was the same for me because I'm, you know, you're more fo- focused on the larger scale stuff. It's like, oh, you could just send the fleet into battle and not worry about it too much. Whilst I don't know, it just, I like it more because they're both real-time, Stellaris and Distant Worlds, but for some reason I prefer it in Distant Worlds type of game rather than Stellaris because losing a fleet battle in Stellaris is could be really punishing. So uh, I prefer it in Distant Worlds, that real-time, not much control type of combat. I think one of the good things about Distant Worlds is it the combat fits into its overall philosophy of being able to, you know, it's something that you can kind of focus on if you want and you can micromanage it and it will have an effect if you do, but you also don't have to. And it's also, it's set up so that the AI can also take over the combat for you. So it's like a better version of the Solaris thing because in Solaris, you literally have no control. Once the, once the ships engage, um, at least in, in the early versions of Solaris, there were certain things you could do like engaging from further away, you know, by, but it was really hard to do. It almost felt like a cheat. Whereas with Distant Worlds, if you want to take over the control of the of the tactical combat itself, set everything up, jump your ships in at certain times, it really does have a big difference. But at the same time, you can just set the AI to control your fleet. You say to your fleet, okay, I want to put you on an attack order, and then you click on the planet, and then the fleet will just look after itself. It's just quite happy. Like It will fly to where it's got to attack. It will attack until it's taken a certain amount of losses that you set, and then it will fly back and refuel, and it will re- repair its ships, and then it will go back again. And all the while, you don't even have to watch it. It will just do this. I know this is kind of like not necessarily talking about the combat. It's more of a sort of overall thing. But I like that because it really means that for the for the big battles, if you really want to have a play with, you know, directly controlling stuff, you can. Whereas if you're like, you know, like like Rob's saying, it's not so much about the combat for him, then you can kind of do it hands off and you can just automate it. You can say, okay, I want you to do that for me. And then, the, and then you can just watch it if you want, or you can just be busy building your perfect trade fleet or whatever. So I think it, you got the best of both worlds with Distant Worlds to some extent. Yeah, I'd agree. That's part of what I think makes a good combat system as long as it stays true to the game's overarching philosophies right like like with the case of planetfall i mean you'll you'll know going into an age of wonders game that you're going to get a good tactics game out of it right and with distant worlds you're right like at every level you can either automate it or take over and chances are if you know what you're doing if you take over you're going to do it better but 
automating just does a fine enough job as it is. And you know, for me, I, I want to go into the games that I actually genuinely really like. And Ben chose one that I'm going to agree with, and that was Gladius. And I think Gladius's combat is really great because each of the units feel like they fit a specific niche and serve a purpose, serve a certain role that no other units can. And that really means you have to consider your army composition a lot. And I think that that really is a lot of fun because, you know, if you have the orcs, because the orcs are one that I played a lot of last, and I know that I made fun of my good friend Jexy here for being one. But, you know, if you had an orc, their main units are melee units. And then you'd have your ranged units that you could use to kind of soften the target up a bit. And then you'd use your melee units to come in and, and start really wailing on them. And they were good as a melee faction, right? And you had very fast moving ranged units as well with the orcs. And they also would soften up your targets. And then you'd come in with your melee. So, and then each of the factions had their specific focuses when it came to combat, you know, like the Eldar were really good at distancing. That's something that I feel like, you know, I know it's hard to do with like a historical 4X because you can't like say like, oh, the Mongolians were like super good at ranged combat. Or, you know, you can't like, you certainly can't make a bunch of different units per civilization. But for a game like Gladius, I think it worked really well. It was a lot of fun. And army composition was a huge factor and how well you would do. And it also was kind of fun to see the synergies that you could create with the various units and you know the sound effects and everything were also good too so it, it was a really good package in general i think you're right and that's because gladius is built around the combat so the, the rest of the game mechanics were there kind of to support it so your enemy's bringing loads of tanks against you and you're the space marines and you realize you've not got any devastators well you need to suddenly retool your your whole industry in order to be able to bring those out because you're going to lose otherwise and i think that that works really well now with planetfall i'm just going to use this as an example there seems to be much it's got a much more sort of mushy kind of approach to that so yes there are units that are better against other units but there's the whole all the modding thing kind of really it adds so many options that it's kind of difficult to sort of plan your build around things really i think and even though i like planetfall and i kind of li- i like that the whole modding system where you've got all these amazing tools you've got to play with i do think that it kind of means it's a lot easier to come up with counters for the things that your enemies are coming at. And I'm speaking a little bit in ignorance, I hear, I think, because I haven't played Planet 4 perhaps as much as everyone else, but at least that was the vibe that I got from it. Like in, in Gladius, you really kind of have to plan your build out carefully and, you know, retooling yourself in order to be able to pump out the units that you need in order to deal with a certain threat, at least at the start of the game. That was hard and that was a significant thing. Whereas in Planetfall, it kind of just feels like, you know, you, the enemy starts throwing a certain kind of unit at you and you can just on the fly just mod your existing army so that it's got the, thing, the tools that you need in order to beat it. So just to show the contrast between those two design philosophies. This is my number one right now. I mean, it's not because it's relevant right now, but it's also because I think it's it's mostly because I really genuinely think that they kind of hit the nail on the head here. Finally, my personal favorite combat is humankind's uh, combat because they they managed to do what I think only Fallen Enchanters Legendary Heroes has done before it, and that is to balance the time and tactics thing that I've always talked about. And you know, with humankind's combat, it's it's always very important to consider the terrain you're on the height elevation that you have, the stuff like that, the, these, these variety of different tactical advantages that you can create. And also it's, it's quick. I mean, it can only last three turns per turn if your combat is going to continue on beyond the three turns. So you have, you know, like, let's say you, your army smashes into another army, they all spread out, they do their thing, you know, and they, they cover the map in the way, the same way that Endless Legend does. You know, you only have three turns to move each of those units and attack and then that whole combat sort of stays in play 
while the strategy turn moves on and then you come back. And I think that that works because A, you're able to focus on it for a second, make your turns, make them quickly. And of course the animations can be sped up too. And then you can go back to the strategy stuff and it doesn't feel like it's ever taking away from the combat, but it also feels like I'm making decisions within the combat that matter and are fun. And it's kind of cool to see, you know, like a smart decision you've made within that combat pay off because, you know, you may have beaten odds. And I think that it's it's better than Endless Legend because it takes you a further step than that, right? Because you have full tactical control over each of your units. That's why I know a lot of people were concerned and frustrated with Endless Legends combat. You didn't have the the full tactical control that you do in humankind. And I really, I think it's a it's like the, the iteration of Endless Legends combat and it, and it feels good. I think for me, what all my favorite games have instance combat, whether it be turn-based or real-time. But like you said, it, it's there's interesting mechanics, but it doesn't take too long like Planetfall because you're playing a Forex game and you want to focus on the strategic side of stuff. So what whatever the combat's doing, it has to be pretty quick, like Fully Enchantress, like Humankind, like you said, or Sword of Stars again. You're, it's real time, but it's a lot faster. Same with Amada as well. I do find it is kind of interesting the way Endless Legend and especially Humankind does it, where you are playing on the map, but you're kind of instanced as well, but it's based on the map, you know what I mean? But yeah, as long as it doesn't take too long, that's got to be the main thing for me. Gladius, it happens on the map, so that's different. But for these games that you go into an instance almost like planet four or uh, humankind or uh, uh, fallen charges then that has to be quick gladius is kind of different because it's on the map like civ but there's way more tactics to it than there is with civ battles i was going to say right below that would be humankind i quite enjoy the combat because like you guys were saying it's quick it's kind of constrained but there's still plenty of plenty you can do with it like there's plenty of tactical flexibility you know you've got like rob was saying your, your terrain you can mix and match your different units like you've got your combined arms kind of thing and yeah i really like it because of that yeah it's fun for me because i there's been times where i've like you know i know i know i was at a numerical disadvantage or something like that and i either got the high ground or i was able to position my units across a river and you know each it, those times have helped because you know a unit attacking across the river is going to suffer a malice you know of course someone trying to attack the high ground is going to suffer higher casualties and i think humankind really nailed it because I mean, like I said, it's, I'm, I'm with you, Drexy. I think that if you're going to have instance combat, that it needs to be quick. I prefer it to also be fun and tactical, but at the very least, it needs to be quick. And I think that's why Master of Ryan 1, Master of Ryan 2, yeah. and a variety of other games have just, you know, have been classics in the way that they are because, you know, th- those combats don't take that long, but they do feel like you have an input and, you know, some of them can be game changing. Now, you just read my mind. I was going to bring up Remnants of the Precursors because, you know, and Master of Orion, because those games are great, right? The tactical combat is relatively quick, but when it's a significant battle and it's an important one, you want to spend some time and make sure you win it so you can play it yourself. Remnants of the Precursors is great because you, in fact, I think actually this was the same in Master of Orion. You can automate the battle so that the, the game plays it out, but you can watch it and it does it really fast. Um, also with Remnants of the Precursors, you can just automate it without even looking at it anyway. So you get three different options and... For a game like that, I think where you are, where, you know, it is mostly about the strategic side of things. I think that's a really great option because you get to play with all the tools that you've, you've kind of created. At the same time, 
you can either just kind of completely skip it or you can watch the battle unfold if you you know if you're like you're halfway through a battle and you're like ah, i think i've won this now you know you can just kind of like watch the, the computer kind of play the rest of it out really quickly and you get the best of all worlds there and i just think that's a really it's a really great system i think i'd like to see that kind of system in a fantasy forex as well i mean in fact, actually you can do that in master of magic now i think about it uh, master of magic also has a tactical combat very much like master of orion and you can kind of get the ai to play it for you for a little while so you hit the auto button and it will just start moving your units and doing things. So I can't remember if that if you can do that in Age of Wonders or not. I think not, maybe. But that would that would be a good system for Age of Wonders, right? If they had a an automation that you could just hit the auto button and go, and then you know, like halfway through a, a battle, because there there's some times where you just kind of you know you really want to play the exciting bit where you're where it's important for you to make the the you know the human to be making the decisions. But then often you're kind of mopping up the rest. And that said, though, in, in Planetfall, it's one of those games where. I think if you don't get it right, like if you if you just stop concentrating right at the end, you can lose a load of units even just to one enemy. So and you know that's a big thing in that game. So maybe it's not the best idea. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just theory crafting here. I think what we're saying here is can you actually have good combat in a real time game? Is it unless you go to RTS levels, but then again, you've got so much stuff going on in the background you need to be focused on. I mean, how could you change Stellaris? combat i don't i don't think you really can without having to dedicate too much time on it and neglecting what's going on elsewhere i don't know man it's it's hard to say you just i think maybe every forest has to be sorry i was yeah, just gonna say how, you just gotta make that combat more and get well there has to be some kind of player interaction so you know do you, you know setting stances or setting some basic maneuvers or i don't know something like that because i actually quite like the system in solaris and I'm one of the weird people who quite likes the system in Galsiv 3 as well. It's like Galsiv 3 had more control over Stol- than Stellaris even because at least it gave you the ship rolls that would, would, you know, would make a difference to the way it played out. I quite like that. I just wish there was a bit better feedback in Galsiv 3, um, you know, because it looks kind of pretty, but there's the feedback you get wasn't great. But like Stellaris, it kind of tells you what's going on at the time. And it's it's that iteration of the same combat system they've got in Crusader Kings and all that. But it kind of, you, know, you can actually at least see what's going on. The thing is that you just don't have enough control in it so i think it's with those real time like distant worlds you can have all the control you want right i don't think distant worlds has got a bad combat system at all i think it's good but like stellaris i always felt it was one of the weaker parts of the game i mean i just think that like rob said the forex elements of stellaris are the weakest part of the game without a doubt compared to other forex games and i think that the whole tactical you know the, the way that they've tried to make the game better by using these you know uh, like forcing you to the node-based system in solaris probably made the game a little bit better actually but it still doesn't make it a good war game necessarily and i think the the combat is a big part of that you could make that more engaging in some way then you know by the way i i also didn't mind the combat in endless in endless space too it's one of the only things in the game that i do i don't mind like setup and play combat i think that like i love it in dominions because it's you know that's part of the game it's a war game you know yeah but, but like i think scripting there's there's, <laughs> there's literally nothing you really do in yeah 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 at least yeah, there's like true. scripting you know that's a big part of it i don't could you script in a real-time game maybe make some sort of script I think so. I think that'd be that, that. That's perfectly possible. Like you could have some kind of some kind of way that you could say, "I want you to do order A, B, and then C." Even if it was just like you've got, you know, like in Dominions, you get like what six orders that you can give to your you know troops. Like I think if you just had that, like you've got captains and you can give them X number of orders, and then they execute these orders. You know, whether it's attack, defend, guard ship, you know, uh, attack the Death Star 
something like that, you know, just something that, or, you know, like try to take down shields, disable. And I think that would be, you know, that would be, that would be, sorry, I think Rob wants to speak. <laughs> Go ahead, Rob. Well, no, I just want to answer your question. I think there is a way to fix Stellaris's combat. And it, it, I think the biggest issue with Stellaris's combat are the numbers. And so when you're faced with like 42 ships, right, you could never make strategic or tactical decisions with that kind of stuff as, as like a ruler, right? I think, and this might, you know, rub some people wrong the wrong way, but like if you consider really cool science fiction shows like maybe, I don't know, Star Trek, right? Or even Star Wars, you, you don't see the kind of numbers that you see in Stellaris, right? You might see like a, a dozen, maybe 10 ships against each other tops. And in Star, Star Trek, it's like, you know, three or four ships tops on each side, right? So I think that if you took Stellaris and you you actually made their fleet smaller and much but much more significant, then you know almost like Sins of the Solar Empire, right? Because Sins of the Solar Empire did focus on flagships, on these giant ships that were the main mainstays, the focus of these fleets. But then they had you know their support ships and stuff like that. If you could if you could do more with that and and maybe make the fleet smaller add active abilities to these like maybe like these home you know whatever you want to call them motherships or whatever it is then i think that you could still do what you're trying to do but also feel like you're having input and you know and and just it just it would just feel better i think i think making f- fleets smaller would be a huge step i don't think that you need to make them smaller i think it's about organization like in dominions you can have a battle with like you know, literally three or 4,000 units in it. You don't have to give orders into each one of those units. You just give the order to the commander who's controlling them. And one commander might just have like, you know, like 500 troops under him. Or, you know, so that, this is what I'm saying. It's not, I don't think, I, I, I like the scale of Stellaris. I wouldn't like them to reduce fleet sizes. Um, I think it's, it would be an easy matter just to say, here's a commander and that commander looks after 50 ships and this here's commander two and he looks after 10. And then you give commander one, like, you know, three or four orders and then you give commander two. It wouldn't take any time at all. And I think that that would make the, the, the game loads more, just loads more interesting. Right, yeah, I've just think i've come with a solution from what we've been discussing you should be a see the problem with stellaris is is it's just a blob versus a blob and once your blob meets the other blob you're sort of in the same range but if they could work it where you sort of had wings so you had like um like a commander and he controlled the wing or corvettes and that corvettes would rush way in front of your larger ships which they kind of did with the computers but it just doesn't work the way everything moves as a blob they need to somehow make everything a bit more separate so you can have a wing of corvettes that are close range guns and um they're sort of like a screening thing where they can almost like i don't know you guys would never play EV online but they could like tackle the other smaller ships and stop them getting to their bigger ships and then maybe you could have another wing of corvettes which sort of just orbit around your bigger ships and sort of protect them they just need to somehow spread the combat out because it just ends up two blobs are right on top of each other every time they fight. So kind of had an idea while we we're talking about Endless Space 2, how one of our gripes with it was that it was on rails. And then you're talking about being able to give out multiple commands ahead of time or like give a commander a list of commands and then have them acted out. I was thinking, what about if you're doing instance combat and you make it kind of like more a real-time tactics thing, kind of like door kickers. I don't think it'd work for something on the scale of Stellaris where you've got like hundreds of ships in well, big You couldn't mobs. do instant combat in Stellaris because it's real time. That's that's yeah. the problem. Because yeah. if you're if if you're uh, attacking someone, you could get attacked 
in another system and your attention has to be drawn on multiple fronts at the same time because it's real time. This is the problem with something like Stellaris where it's it's really hard to fix without having... It's, like I said, it, the biggest problem is the way the combat happens. The blobs actually touch each other and you're, you're not fighting across a solar system almost. You're literally fighting like right on top of each other all the time. Yeah, well... That's not. That's what I'm saying. It wouldn't work in something like Stellaris because it's too big and it's not instanced. But if you had something instanced, like Endless Space Two or Humankind, or maybe a Planet Ball might be a bit too large a scale. But if you had something with like not a, not a ton of units going up against each other, I was thinking maybe you could have like a real time system where you plot out your moves in advance and then when they're plotted out they all play out at the same time and then that's your combat turn do you think that would help speed things up yeah i think that'd be amazing for a game like in this space too honestly i think i mean you're talking about like you know frozen synapse or frozen synapse 2 or like yeah i mean any of those games where you're plotting out your moves and then watching them unfold after you watch you know whatever happens and it's like a five second blip right like they they will move for five seconds and then you get to, to realign your moves i think that's that's a really great way. That would be cool. I'd love to see that. I'm I'm surprised no one's ever done that. I think there was a game. Was did Flotilla work like that? I know it's not a forex game. But yeah, there's there's been of plenty of games that try that, but I've never any forex games. And I think or even like the Battlestar Galactica. Was it the Battlestar yeah, Galactica games did, kind of yeah. work like that? Yeah. That's that time consuming, though. I, yeah. I, I think that, yeah. I'm just thinking, like, to, you know, if we're talking about how to balance, you know, tactical combat with strategic, I think that's going to make that's going to be more time, not less. I think, like, it's it's a cool idea for a game, definitely. And I think that if you if you had a strategic element that was light enough to be able to handle that, then that's great. Unless you're just talking like, you know, three or four combat turns. But then I'm just trying to think, how would that work? I don't know, like Battlestar Galactica works because you've got about 20, 30 turns or whatever it is, you know, like, whereas I think that if you just had five, then, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a cool idea, though. Why not? Why not? Uh, well, why not? Hopefully somebody can come up with it. Yeah, well, I was thinking more like, well, OK, with Battlestar Galactica, you're playing out the entire battle until you either win or you lose. This I was thinking you're playing it out like you've, you've still got everything else going on around you. You'd play that out and then that would be your one combat turn. And then maybe you could do the rest of your turn around the combat turn. Like you're, you're breaking it up into bite-sized chunks so kind of thing. Battles happen over multiple turns, maybe. Yeah. Like yeah. Maybe one turn. I mean, you could combine that idea with humankind's three turns per turn combat, right? Like, so you could get three, you know, setups each, you know, you could, you could set your movements three times in that combat. And then if there, if it hasn't been resolved by then you come back to it next turn. I think that's a great idea, man. Yeah, and I'm not thinking necessarily on the scale of Battlestar Galactica because the combat could get pretty nuts when you're getting into the nuts and bolts of it. Like you're putting out, I don't know, mines and EMP and like warping units around and all that kind of crap. No, like I'm thinking more of a streamlined version. Like when I was thinking of this idea, I was thinking something like door kickers, but like with spaceships kind of thing. Yeah, I love that. I really do. I think that'd be cool. And door kickers never feels like it's taking too long. So No, I mean, you can finish those missions in, I think, I finished one of them in like six seconds or something, and that was with a house. They're really, really quick once you once you get a hang of the system. Yeah, I love that. It's great stuff. And and to back back to the point about Solaris or just any game really that's in real time. I think that personally, for me, I think that when you start to we start to try to like implement tactical stuff inside a real time strategy game, you have to consider. I personally think that capital ships and and like you were saying, you were talking about like making wings. I mean, I think having basically like fleets that were smaller, but more focused on particular things 
would be like you said, like if you had a fleet of Corvettes that were that were like specifically directed to you know beeline, you know maybe f- full engines ahead just to get there and start to kind of disrupt things, and then you know your your bigger ships came in from a different side, and you know they had a particular set. Maybe the bigger ships come in and they're they're focused on hitting capital ships, and then you have your capital ships which are focused on hitting capital ships. You know, those, those kind of things. I mean, that's all you have to say. That's all you have to do is click, right? They just give them a direction and give them, you know, a basically a target, you know, or target preference. And that would still feel like I had input and it would feel like I could, you know, maybe do something with that. I think the problem is because the combat doesn't happen across the system, you can't be sat on one side of the system and with your large ships and fly your smaller ships. It's, they won't shoot. That's the problem. The, it, the scale is wrong in Stellaris. Your ships, no matter how large they are, have to literally be on top of each other. If they changed it where larger ships can shoot or even halfway across the system, whilst your smaller ships have to get in close, then that will fix a yeah. lot of the issues with the combat, the way Stellaris works. But the way it is at the moment, you literally have to be on top of each other. And then you ta- the range, the different range-based combat doesn't work. Yeah, I agree. That's actually a really good point too. So, but yeah, there's, I mean, like, like, I mean, even in just this discussion, we've clearly figured out that there's a lot of different ways that 4X have tried to tackle combat. And, you know, I, I, I don't think there's any way that has really like just really shit the bed, but there's been a few that stand out as particularly good. And, you know, I'm looking forward to how that particular combat mechanic, or like just combat in general evolves, because I really feel like, like I said, we've, we've been pushed. There, there's so many different places, so many different developers trying new things. And I'm, I'm eager to see how Galactic Civilizations 4 is going to handle it because they've started to implement basically the ability to, it's almost like in civilization, right? Like if you consider a civilization where you have like an artillery unit that can fire from a far away, but so they have that now with Galactic Civilizations 4 and that you can like shoot missiles from across a strategic map, like I was talking about earlier in this podcast. And then the ships and the fleets do eventually collide and there'll be like a cinematic portion. And I'm hoping that there's input that you can give in that too. So not only can you use active abilities for your fleets, to soften up your targets or even destroy them before you get to them. But then once the targets or once the two fleets actually meet, there is a cinematic portion that, that God willing will have some input on. So, I mean, there's this, the point is though, is that there are developers out there trying new things. Humankind is new. Galactic civilizations four is trying something new. I think old world did a lot of really cool things where, you know, the real focus in old world is, is improving your units. And we didn't really talk about this too much, but you know, there's like there's there's ways to use your resources there to rank up your units so that they're good in particular situations. You know, and and you can make a unit really good in an urban environment. So you need to make sure that that particular unit is always attacking on urban tiles. And that that's again, it's another way of thinking of how combat can be done and how you can have more say and how combat actually you know progresses in, in the results of that combat based on your choices and the decisions you're making before the combat. And, you know, it, it sounds like, and it seems like all these developers are trying new things and a lot of them are really doing some great things to push the forward, push the mechanic forward. Does anyone else have anything else to say before we wrap things up? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> I think we've covered it pretty well. Yeah. yeah. I just think it's, I think the biggest thing between four is 
games is whether it's real time and whether it's um turn based and then whether the in if it's a turn based game whether the uh instance combat is real time or turn based I, I think i think for me i think turn based games are far better for uh deeper combat than any real time game will ever be in a forex game so make all your forest games turn based. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's still there's still distant worlds too, right? We still have to see how that works out. And like I said, I mentioned this, and I really do feel like this could be something. But with Eric's kind of like like showcasing of combat in distant worlds too, it seemed like there were decisions being made. Like, I mean, the the thing that stood out to me was that you know at one point he had ships warp behind the other line of ships so that there was actually a group of ships that came from behind the enemy ships and started attacking them from behind and you know if if you could make decisions like that like you know short jumps and stuff like that to kind of make you know to give yourself a tactical advantage and it still feel like I mean, and of course distant worlds 2 is a game that you can you can pause just like distant worlds i'm sure so you know it, again it's just it's it's gonna be interesting to see how people start to to really evolve that mechanic because it seems like a lot of them are already trying new things and you know they they probably see some of the issues that we see in combat and forex. Yeah, I think well something like that. I'd still want it to be you be able to almost script it so if your attention's diverted somewhere else, you don't have to be on that fleet all the time, you know, because it's real time and. You could be fighting somewhere else as well. So if you could script ships to like certain types of ships to sort of do a mini jump behind the fleet they're attacking, then yeah, and then maybe uh, put tractor beams on them or something like that. Yeah, it would be quite good. But I don't know. That probably won't happen in Dismals too. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. We will see. And of course, we have games like Zephon that promise to try new things, and you know, I'm sure that we'll probably see other forex games in the future that'll be trying new things too so and i'm hoping one day we'll see an endless legend too it maybe takes the humankind formula even further so lots of great stuff i think this is a great conversation we probably could have talked for another hour about this which you know lends lends well to the whole thing the whole topic itself but you know of course i don't want to spend two hours here and i'm getting tired i don't know about you guys i'm sleepy i slept before so. it's like 1 30 in the afternoon here yeah that's my nap time so <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's bedtime here though I, i'm getting old enough that i need a nap like every day but yeah anyway this has been good it's been good to get catch back up with you guys and you know talk about some forex shit again i mean there's a lot of stuff that's coming down the pipeline so i'm really excited about it and i'm very well aware of some things that are coming out oh you know what i do want to mention because this is something that you were talking about it reminded me real quick remnants of the precursors did come out with a new version recently 0.94 and it's in lead up to the worldwide 1.0 release on December 25th, which happens to be Christmas. But there is a new version, which uh, which has a bunch of new art and some other like kind of like quality of life things. So check it out. It's 0.94, and you know it made our. It's always talk. It's always something we we mention because it's it does do a lot of great things. And remember, the precursors is free, so you should get it anyways. Are we allowed to talk about the stuff that Ray's planning for after 1.0? Yeah, he's been pretty public about it. So basically, after 1.0 is coming out, Ray, Ray's actually adding some more stuff to Remnants of the Precursors to actually uh, to make it different to 
Master of Orion. So it's actually going to be, it's, it's got some really, really interesting ideas. I'm not going to go through them all now, but I think if people want to, to learn about it, go over to Reddit, where I think Ray's been chatting about this and throwing some ideas out to people and go and get involved in the conversation. But it sounds, some of the plans that he's got do sound really good because it's not going to be changing the, the way the game plays in any big way, but it's just little things just to make, you know, just to, to give the game a little bit more diversity. Yeah, yeah. And he, he plans on like kind of having it verge off from the, like once Remnants of the Precursors hits 1.0, there will be like, you know, Remnants of the Precursors, and then there'll be like this like divergent line of programming and gameplay that he he really wants to kind of like add to the formula, right? So you could always play the regular normal Master of Ryan 1 formula, but he will have this like different version that, you know, I don't know if it's going to be Remnants of the Precursors 2 or whatnot or, or different name, but yeah, it, it sounds like really cool stuff. So definitely check it out. Maybe we could talk about it with him at some point on the podcast. So anyways, guys, I really appreciate you joining me. Thanks, Ben, for being here. Hey, it's good to see you, Rob. It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, it has been far too long. And I'll be moving here in a couple of weeks. And then there'll probably be like a couple of weeks where I'm probably busy again. But then I'd say probably, you know, mid-November, I should be back on a regular schedule finally. Because I'm, I'm on a regular schedule now, finally. But then I'm moving. So that'll probably take the wind out of my sails when it comes to like podcasting and stuff like that and video videos for YouTube and stuff. But afterwards, once things settle down, after we've moved, I imagine that I'll be able to get back onto a regular schedule of podcasts and YouTube. So it'll be great. And I feel like writing. I have this like really strong writing itch. So I'm hoping to get that, you know, scratched. But Trexy, thanks for being here. You, you bloody governor mate yeah, it's all right mate yeah thanks for having me Ooh, yeah. <laughs> jeez <laughs> that's what i wanted that's all i needed for the night all right sean you're up say something super australian put a dingo in the barbie mate yeah <laughs> that's not a thing um oh shit now you got me <laughs> yeah i don't know um anyway it, it, like, yeah you know it's been it's been nice like we took over for a bit and we're running things reasonably well but it is it's really good to have you back and, and i know that moving is a pain in the ass because i've just done it but um it'll be good to have you back regularly afterwards did the dingoes eat your baby they did not come on i set you up Sure. And you yeah, what kind of Aussie are you, man? You're letting the yeah. side down, mate. <laughs> oh, <wait>, nah. <laughs> well, you know, get a stubby for the Barbie, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Shoot. All right, forget it. Forex or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, whatever. All right. Well, this has been great. Thanks for joining us. This is Rob from Explominates, along with this huge, crazy gang. And until next time, keep exploring. Bye. Bye. Have a good one.